when they're really good speakers, they can kind of influence how people view them. Hi, you're listening to season two of Love Life Millennials. Have a listen and enjoy. Alright, so over the past few weeks, we have been talking about our career and how we should approach it. And so today, I want to focus on a particular skill that I am also doing right now. So if you remember, we discussed with Miss Ching about developing one's soft skill, and one of them that I want to dig deeper today is about public speaking. Probably for those of you who follow me on social media, you can you saw my post about Toastmasters. I have joined the club for what one or two months, and I got to meet this one person who eventually became my mentor, and so he has been giving me good inputs on on how I uh, speak publicly, and he just so happens to also do it for a living. So consider yourself lucky, because he usually charges like crazy money for this, but. Today he is willing to sit down with us and、uh, kind of share about his experience a little bit with public speaking. Yeah, let's kickstart this episode right away. Can you give us a little bit of an intro, Kai? It's really good to have you here.、Uh, hi. So actually, I've been here in China for about eleven years, and、um, actually in education a lot because I think when I was around twelve years old,、uh, my parents got divorced, and I became very shy and introverted. So、mm-hmm. from a very long time. Uh, since my early childhood, I couldn't really speak very well in front of other people, and it was really challenging and scary for me. So,、uh, since around 2010, I've been in China and、uh, first started English education. One of the interesting things that really got me into public speaking was、uh, when I was helping students apply for the top university Ivy League、uh, universities and private boarding schools in the U.S. Was I found most of them come from the international、uh, international schools here in Shanghai, China, as a whole. However, there were some students who actually were really confident and fluid in how they spoke and talked, and I was really curious how did they become so confident in their English. Even though they had very limited vocabulary and they didn't really speak very grammatically correct, so I found out that they started up debate clubs or public speaking clubs within their own schools, and I thought, well, this is very interesting, and I decided to check it out myself. Okay, so、uh, you were in the U.S. for your whole life before 2010, right?、Uh, yes. So I grew up. In New Jersey and New York, and、uh, it was a very interesting experience for me coming here to China quite a long time ago. Okay, so you said that some students pique your interest into public speaking because you just admire perhaps their presence on stage, and that also prompted you to learn. And so, what were the things that you did in the first place? Actually, someone from Toastmasters, a club called Marketing and Sales, he was the executive assistant to the CEO, and he started this program to train speakers to go to a SAT exhibition to talk about overseas <laughs> educational <laughs> consulting. And I was like, "Ooh, let me join in this program." So I went through something that was kind of similar to Toastmasters, practicing speaking in front of other people.、It、gave me a little chance. I was like, "This is really awesome." But then he left the company, and he took this program with him. So I asked him, "Where can I go to learn more about it?" And he recommended me to a local club. Okay, but you said you were a pretty shy kid.、Uh, can you tell us the transformation that you undergo 
Uh, well, at the very beginning, I couldn't really make complete sentences. Like, short words would be really easy, and I think for a lot of really lazy teenagers, they're the same. Like, we just want to say one word to get to the point, and I couldn't make complete sentences. When I stood up to talk in front of class, my legs would shake and I would stutter because I think in my teenage years, I used to really love to play video games, so I spent a lot of time <laughs> playing all night, and by the morning time, I would drink like three to six monster drinks and I would just be super hyper in school and uh, it really affected me socially. Wait, you say it affected you socially, it makes you more hyper than it should make you be It made me super sleepy, hyper, and unable to think. So I was brain dead when I went to school and uh, okay. when I had to speak in front of class or to other people, it was really hard for me. Okay, and how long did you think it took you for uh, to overcome this fear on stage? Well, when I first came to China, I was like, hey, teaching English is super easy, and it was just like a part-time thing uh, I did. Later on, I was like, this can help me to improve my, uh, to get over my fear of speaking on the stage. However, when you're speaking with only children or kids, mm. uh, it doesn't help you that much because it doesn't really prepare you for talking with adults or just mm. <laughs> normal society. <laughs> okay. uh, so discovering public speaking, I think it just took me about half a year or a year to get better at it and okay. there's some ways to make myself really good at it. Hmm. So what are the things that you found yourself discovering after you progressed to your journey in public speaking? Well, I think just being in education for a very long time, I had a very clear picture of how I wanted to get started because when you want to learn anything, you need to make a plan first and right. most people forget it. Uh, forget to do this. Second is they need to show their dedication or make some kind of investment towards this. So when I first joined my first club, I actually wrote a two-page letter to the president of my club at that time, mm -hmm. and also two-page letter to the founder talking about my past, where mm -hmm. I am now, and where I want to go in the future. So right. that helped me to solidify my vision. Right. So what happens after that? Um, very first thing is stage time, stage time, stage time. So everyone uh, around me, especially the old drivers and experienced speakers, they always say, get on the stage more and more and more. The more you get on the stage, the more confident and fluid you get. And that's one of the biggest problems, whether you're learning English or you're learning public speaking, uh, people have, which is they want to have the perfect example. They want to make the perfect speech or they want to do everything perfectly. However, you don't become better by preparing too much on just one thing. You just have to get there and experience it more and more. Mm. So you're saying we should just acknowledge the fact that we will suck in the first place <laughs> and then we just have to keep persevering towards it. Yeah, I mean, it's Toastmasters is really good because it's a place where you can present on stage without the fear of consequences. So I failed quite a lot at every single role and here in China because not a lot of people can really speak very good English so they're like we're here to practice our English and they're like why are you here your English is native why are you here <laughs> and I thought the same way so when I went on stage quite a lot I was like I can handle this because I'm a native speaker I don't need to prepare I'll just speak whatever comes to my mind mm. but what I found was that your ideas, your logic and everything isn't as clear and you actually make a lot of mistakes and you fumble a lot because you don't say the right things at the right time. So 
it takes a lot of uh, effort to understand that public speaking has actually nothing to do with the language. Alright, so that sounds really reassuring for us, especially for me also, uh, since we're not native speakers and sometimes we are intimidated, right? I mean, on stage we're already nervous for what it is, and now we still have to even consider whether we are grammatically correct, whether our English is proper, and that really gave peace of mind for us, uh, knowing that you as a native speaker also experience that kind of same difficulties. But yeah, just to relate as well a little bit, when I first came to Toastmaster, even the fact the the act of me raising my hand to do table topics was like uh, a little bit just consumes me, you know, there are butterflies in my stomach. Oh, by the way, for those of you who are not familiar with Toastmasters uh, and table topics, do you want to explain it? I know we're not endorsed by Toastmasters or anything, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as previously president, and I did um, some time as division director, so yeah. a bit of leadership, and I memorized a lot of the sales for this. <laughs> um, well, basically, it's a nonprofit organization that was started in 1924 by Ralph C. Smedley in uh, California, and um, it's worldwide with 364 thousand plus members and over 50 countries mm -hmm. there's quite a large organization and it's kind of the cornerstone for practicing your public speaking in an environment so it's a really amazing experience there yeah yeah so i was first introduced to this idea of toastmasters by a youtuber uh, it's called dan lock i'm not sure if you know so he is someone who i learned about copywriting but he was also talking about public speaking and he said go join toastmasters in your uh, in your area and i was like what is toastmaster i thought it was only something that is only in canada but apparently uh, i mean canada is in the place where dan lock was uh, residing but it turned out that as Kai said, it was global, uh, so I'm pretty sure wherever you are listening right now, they are available in your nearest city or yeah, location. Uh, so I was like asking around whether someone in Shanghai knows of this exquisite club and I happened to find uh, one club uh, and then from there just landed on this particular club that Kai was in right now. So yeah, if you guys are someone, if you guys are people who want to practice public speaking, you might want to try. Uh, of course, there are other different platforms, but these are particularly, uh, as Kai said, has less risk and consequences. Um, okay, so back on the public speaking part, since you said, okay, so language is not really the core of public speaking, it's more on the material. So what kind of material should we be preparing when we want to, you know, to do public speaking? Um, so public speaking, I think there are two different areas which I feel are really important. One is content and the second is presentation. So you want to focus on both and it's also split into impromptu speeches and prepared speeches. So uh, prepared speech meaning that you spend some time preparing for the speech and impromptu meaning that whatever question or whatever circumstance or activity that you're at, you're able to spontaneously start talking to the crowd and engaging the audience. So for preparation, I think that we all sh always should have a good story in mind. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to convey value to the audience and we're trying to engage the audience and leave them better than they were before our speech. <laughs> okay, so you're saying that we should think of a message first and then uh, we work our speech backwards from there. I'm saying that it's important when we're speaking to have a point for why we are telling people this and to have a story because a lot of times when we're just kind of giving advice or if we are giving commands or if we're just telling people what they should do 
it tells them logically. However, we want to appeal to people's emotions, and that's through a good story. Hmm, I believe that. Yeah, good stories will. Really, be able to trigger particular emotions from the audience.、Um, but you also made some division for impromptu speech. So, what's that?、Uh, so, impromptu speeches, <laughs> it's kind of like if you're preparing for TOEFL or anything else. Basically, public speaking, you can have a lot of structures. So, for impromptu speaking,、uh, there was something that、I、learned quite a while back called ARM, which is answer, reason, example, message, and Yeah, Arum. So it, it makes me think of、uh, Arkham, the insane asylum in、uh, Batman. <laughs>、yeah. So Arum, and、um, yeah, if you have this kind of structure for impromptu, it helps a lot because you give a straight answer, so people are like ah, okay, and then you give the reason, you explain why you chose this answer, like ah, and then you give a story to further solidify or to support your answer, and they're like ah. And finally, you have the message, which allows them to have this takeaway, to have some、mm. kind of value, and、uh, it sort of shows the audience what they should do. But how do we achieve there? Like you know, for someone to ask us a question and be able to think of all these structures that you just mentioned, is it does it really just come down to stage time? Or so actually,、uh, because. Uh, what was really useful and helpful for me was I didn't get into public speaking right at the beginning. First, I went through English English education, followed by、uh, interview prep and test prep. So, from what I learned from those、uh, areas and applied to public speaking was one: you have to have pre-planning, which helps a lot. For interviews, actually, what you want to do is you have some pre-created stories about your life. You have to understand yourself. And some of the things that you have been through, so that when you're giving answers, you can actually quickly navigate from your answer to your life story. So you memorize the stories, and they can fit into any situation. So I think、mm. that really helps with impromptu speaking because you can use a story multiple times to answer different questions, but talking about it from a different aspect. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So when you're talking about memorization. Okay, you said that impromptu speaking perhaps like draws、um, argument from a story that you already have. But what about like prepared speaking? Do you think you know by the terms prepared, you need to memorize your speech? Okay, so one more point to add for impromptu speaking is that、uh, one practice I have、uh, given to one of my students、mm. is that every single day I actually have her to answer five questions. Randomly, because one thing you want to do for impromptu speaking is to stretch a person's ability to be more creative and to be able to answer any type of question. So,、uh, if you just grab a random list of question, ESL questions, or anything else, and you just answer them, you're actually opening up your mind to expect the unexpected. And the problem people have with answer questions is they. If they have time to prepare, they want to prepare. But for impromptu, it's just like when you go into a negotiation, a meeting, or any other kind of situation, you don't have time to prepare. So for the practice, all you need to do is just spend maybe around ten minutes every single day. Find five questions. The second you see the question, answer it, record it, and 
spend 10 minutes, two minutes for each question. Just keep doing this for about a month and you'll see amazing results on your- Wait, when do you get the questions? Um, so the questions I usually recommend is called 365 table topics. It's something that's searchable on Bing, Google or whatever other right, platform. Right. But um, ESL conversational questions, there's just search questions, you'll find them. You want to stretch your creativity flexibility. I don't know if that's a word, but uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. For impromptu speeches, maybe we should be more exposed and then be more um, giving ourselves enough practice so that, firstly, we can um, have a peace of mind, you know, when when encountering these questions and be able to think it through, not really being very nervous at all. But for prepared speeches, because I know at least in China, most students have this perception of whenever I'm giving presentation I need to draft it make a script and then I have to memorize it do you think this is essential to do okay so from my experience like I've been in public speaking for about three years now and there are two or three different forms of preparing speech the first one is having like bullet point list of just some of the areas you want to talk about this is kind of like more of an impromptu speech or if you go onto stage you're trying to give a sharing you're trying to share your knowledge um, mm. that's quite easy to do because mm. you know okay i have five fingers on my hand i can use each finger to represent a different idea mm. that i want to talk about at an opening a close and that's the speech the second type is writing out a speech word for word and the great thing about this is then you can use a lot of rhetorical devices you can create a very deep and vivid story which allows the audience to understand it better and you can also do a lot of editing on this it's very easy for you to share with perhaps mentors or other people to ask their opinion or advice the third type i know of which is very <laughs> very vocal very conversational and it allows you to really deeply engage your audience but also it's possibly a bit more time consuming is you just sit or stand somewhere turn on the recorder on your phone and just to start recording what you want to do is to record everything that you say and you're possibly telling a story you're possibly giving message mm. you're recording all the things that you say so that it's all conversational English conversational speech which means that it will relate to the audience much better because it's spoken English mm. sometimes when we write the problem we have is we write essays, we write uh, perhaps academic papers, yeah. things that we learned in school. However, that's very boring for the audience. And when they listen to that, they, they're like, oh no, uh, he's reading off the paper or it's a memorized script. So there's no emotion in it. Hmm. It's just like, okay, before I started Toastmasters, I don't really draft my speech word for word. So I usually just make bullet points, outlines, just like how I do my podcast. But in Toastmaster, you were the one who advised me to try write the speech word by word, right? The problem is now that I've written the story and tried to curate some particular phrasing or words, I begin to love my story so much that I don't want to improvise anymore. You see what I mean? Like I, after I, after I finished writing the story, I just want to put that story like 100% to the audience, which prompted me to memorize it, even though I've never actually had the habit of memorizing. <laughs> so this is kind of the, the discovery that I found. Okay. So one of the things is when, especially when you have an important event, I really liked Barack Obama's speeches because mm -hmm. I just feel that they're so well crafted and it sounds really nice to my ears at least right. uh, for 
writing speeches actually i've asked a couple like one world champion a couple of quite high higher like um second third place in the world and other mm -hmm. other people like a lot of people they told me about 650 words for five to seven minute speech is like the average what you want to do is you want to write like a thousand two thousand three thousand word speech and then you cut 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 to have the main wow. essence of the speech especially if you want to do a competition or for a really important event mm. and that way you have a lot of content and you can craft the stories and sort of edit the stories to make it into the perfect speech because writing a speech is actually not that difficult creating the story and everything actually once you have the structure you understand uh, what you want to tell, you make it conversational. It's really easy. It's not that difficult, but actually the editing part is the most difficult part because if you want to make it perfect, you want to make sure that you're fine tuning all the aspects sure. for laughter, for the facial expressions, body language, uh, rhetorical devices for memory, repetition to make the message more memorable and all of these different things. So a written speech is useful if you want to do the fine tuning. So does it mean that for one to be good at speaking, they have to be good at writing as well? What is very interesting and fun is that you become a much better writer once you become a much better speaker because you realize what does the audience want? What do they want to listen to? Of course, conversational English and also speeches sometimes are not grammatically correct in that you may have just one word sentences or statements to shout at the audience, to engage the audience. However, in written essays and writing, it's not uh, so important. However, you become a much better writer in that you're able to convey so much more emotion in your writing. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when we're writing, we're just, we have an idea, we have some support, we have the general objectives for what we want to obtain in an essay. However, we don't have any action of our own feelings in it. However, right. for speeches, really good speeches, we're putting in our opinions, we're putting in what we believe in, our faith and everything else. And when we put that into our writing, it actually becomes a lot more emotionally charged. And I think that uh, really helps a lot. And just like a speech has a structure, it will allow you to be more aware of the structure in uh, your writing. I love it. So you're saying that the writing is like a mold, but then the way you add life to it is when you articulate it to the audience, imbue some emotion, body language, uh, yeah, body language, uh, just to create this whole comprehensive effect to the audience, right? Mm -hmm. I also like the fact that you said speaking and writing is like a skill that both cascade to each other. So the more you speak, the better you write, and then the better you write, the also the better you speak. <laughs> so the like better you write. <laughs> possibly the better you speak but the problem is when you become a better writer and you speak it out loud writing is only one part of speaking but speaking <laughs> covers <laughs> writing and okay. uh, speaking uh, as i said like for public speaking content and presentation so two parts okay i want to touch on something that i learned from you i think it was on my second time on toastmasters on our club you mentioned something about silence in speaking and that resonated with me a lot i actually still remember but i wanted to give the exact words to the audience yourself uh so a lot of people 
like for me personally when doing podcast i can make some assessment for my own speech and the my speaker's speech right and sometimes of course i will encounter speakers who use just way too many us that i need to trim that those out and it just adds at least one hour for my editing but you know even just a couple of minutes into this episode i already can notice that you have way 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 less odds than the other speakers or almost none <laughs> <laughs> you did you did i spotted <laughs> but okay. yeah can you explain a little bit on on the part where the tendency of people when they get nervous of course just to say uh and make some feel and feel of words like you know how do we try to battle this combat this So I remember when I was still back in the states I was in a church group and on one Saturday evening we had this class what we talked there was we tried to tell some stories and also give a message or some kind of value to the audience so it was it was kind of like public speaking and what was very funny was uh, back in the states i just had this really horrible habit of adding about 10 to 20 likes t- to my speech i would right. say a like at least twice every sentence and it was such a bad habit and i couldn't stop this because that's basically what everyone does however through Actually, probably only once I got into public speaking did I realize the problem with filler words. It's something that basically you have to be aware of. It's more about awareness more than anything else. So one thing I do with my students is I have a laptop and I have Microsoft Word open. I have really big X. So every single time my students <laughs> for whatever type of class I'm teaching starts to have any kind of filler word i write a big x and i just keep doing x's and they're like oh, they're so shocked they didn't realize they have like 50 x's on their <laughs> piece of paper for right. just talking for about a minute or something right. um so filler words are a part of natural speaking and a part of when we're trying to convey a message however the problem is it's just something to put in there when we're trying to relax and we're trying to think it has serves no purpose whatsoever and it actually causes the listener to not be able to fully understand especially for someone who has many of us and us so getting used to pauses is super difficult for many people right. because they're afraid of this awkward silence right <laughs> and so how do we try to eliminate those the best way and the most fun way is to stand in front of a group of people and just stare at them <laughs> just keep staring right or you say something and then you pause my a friend a really good friend of mine a very old friend who I've known for about 15 years he told me this about like 7 mm. years ago when he discovered the mm. power of pauses and i was right. just like you're really weird he just he would start talking and in the middle of a sentence he would pause and like what are you doing and he's like look pauses so useful it can grab people's attention like stop that <laughs> <laughs> well i think so yeah yeah because when you pause people would assume that something is happening either it's something good or bad and that shifts their attention or even more added to your uh, previous you know speaking mm-hmm. yeah but of course it's not something that is easy i think i did make some 
minuscule improvement <laughs> from the tens of episodes that I've done but I did notice like when I first started I have way way too many arms like you know when I did my first solo episode I recorded for almost let's say 40 minutes and the end product was like around 25 minutes like after all those cutting and stuff out of those 15 minutes that I did trim I think I would dare say at least 30% of that was just too many hours, too many, you know. Well, the best practice actually is, as I said before, awareness. When we're not aware of it, we're surprised by how many odds and us we make. And what we can do is just whenever we are speaking, we have someone to just help us point out to us, wave their hand or something to show that we're making us us. And when we get used to the silences, it really helps us a lot because actually it's so important pauses. If you take a look at the presidential speeches, if you take a look at stand-up comedy, people who are speaking, making a very powerful or strong statement with a silence <laughs> is just so powerful. It's just so amazing. Whether you're starting a speech or ending a speech or in the middle, because pauses, first of all, give the audience time to think about what you're saying. Second, if you're asking a question, it gives them time to think what would be the answer to it or to reflect in their own lives. Third, it gives you time to breathe. <laughs> and fourth, it is so much better than filler words especially when you can't remember what you're going to say next pauses are so much more natural mm -hmm. what may feel like five to ten seconds to you may just be one or two seconds to the audience or everyone else right. so overcoming this fear of pausing will really make your speaking much better yeah i remember your exact words were it only feels awkward because you are awkward <laughs> right I have one question. So does slowing down help in speaking? So, okay, I'm sharing kind of like my practices for um, teaching. The What I do with students is we practice for speed and we practice for accuracy. I guess you do that for shooting guns and games as well. Okay. <laughs> so uh, for speed and accuracy, meaning that for speed, what you want to do is you want to do things as fast as possible. So to increase your efficiency for accomplishing a task, for right. accuracy, make, meaning that you slow down and make sure that you make no mistakes. If you only practice for accuracy, meaning slowing down, making no mistakes whatsoever, then when you're always talking like this, sometimes people may feel it's awkward or they may feel this is frustrating because you're speaking too slowly. What you want to do is to practice and learn how to have more flexibility over your voice. So this goes into another part of public speaking, which is vocal variety or the control over your voice, which includes uh, your pitch, high pitch, or talking with a very deep and dark tone. Uh, I remember this guy who uh, was a voice actor for Borderlands 3, and he had this video on YouTube, which was really cool. So pitch, pace, which is the speed, fast or slow, power. Speaking with a higher volume or... Oh my god. Yeah, I know. <laughs> higher volume and right. also pause. So pitch, power, pace, pause. Uh, four Ps. Oh wow. Uh, vocal pitch, variety. power, pace, pause. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> okay. 
So we've discussed a lot of different techniques, tips and tricks, and some insights as to why it is important for us to be, you know, to be able to do public speaking. But just coming back to the beginning of all these questions, why do we need to do this? Like, how shall we benefit from this particular skill? We live in this community. We live in society, and one of the most important things about humans is that we're. A social animal, and we communicate. So, public speaking is not just talking about speaking in front of a、uh, audience or on the stage. It's actually more about communication. Imagine the charisma and the power and the ability to speak when you're facing an audience. When you have that. Ability and you speak to just one person, they'll just be scared and they'll just be wow. They'll be like, oh my god, <laughs> it's just crazy speaking to them because、mm. you're putting all the energy and all that passion and everything in your voice to just one person. So the ability to communicate is so powerful and so important、uh, for public speaking. Whether you're trying to get hired for a job to become a persuasive speaker, or you're trying to,、uh, you're Part of sales marketing, you're trying to sell to the customer、uh, the ability to think about all the benefits and possibilities of your product, to be able to share your stories for how you made your journey, to teach other people, to basically、uh, anything. Communication is such an important skill, and through public speaking, you get so prepared for all aspects of life. Right? Yeah. Or if you want to get buckloads of money teaching public speaking like Kai, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, okay,、um, you know, do you agree to this? Like for me personally, I I tend to overvalue people with good public speaking skills. So like, what, even though they might be in theory technically not that expert, but just the fact that they're able to articulate their ideas so well and so eloquently, we think that wow, this guy's the deal, you know. Do you believe this? <laughs> okay, so actually, for this,、um, mainly because we have so much information coming into our brains every day, and it's overflowing. So for this. Public speaking, people who are memorable, people who have a lot of power, are those who are able to take something complex and make it simple for even a child to understand. So their speeches and what they say, they say it with a lot of power, a lot of emotion. They're able to emotionally influence us, and we remember emotions more than anything else, more than logic. Emotions. Whether they're tragic or they're very joyous, when we're 80 years old, we remember the happy moments and we remember the tragic moments, and we don't really remember much else. <laughs> so,、yeah. I think the the emotions that they can convey, the emotions that they can bring out in us, is what allows them to be so memorable.、Right. And also,、uh, that's part of leadership as well. To be a leader, meaning that. I'm representing a company. I'm representing a group. I'm representing an organization or something else. I'm the head of it, and everything that I am reflects what people perceive of my company. So when they're really good speakers, they can kind of influence how people view them. Wow, that's so powerful, actually. And I just thought of this quote. This is actually used by sales, but I think it fits、uh, this context that we have today. People do their actions based on emotions and justify it with their logic. <laughs> okay, can you say that again? <laughs> so people act based on their emotions and justify it with their logic.、Mm-hmm. 
So in, in the sales world, they will always okay try to attack their emotions and then they will think that it's the right choice. But I want to link it with what you said earlier. You know, the reasons why we we love good public speakers is because they're able to resonate a lot with Wait, our emotions. Drink this with this. It becomes... Um, well, are we doing some experiments on our wines now? It becomes now? sparkling wine. <laughs> okay. All right, cheers. Wow, now. this is amazing. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it this way. Is this an invention of lifetime? Oh my god, this it's, is nice. it's, it's sparkling wine, <laughs> and it's a little bit salty. I love that effect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, anyway, this is digressing. Man, all right. So <laughs> now I forgot what I want to say. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, I just have one last question before we close this topic. I mean, I really love today just because I'm also really passionate about public speaking. I'm just a chatterbox. You want to know when I was a kid, I like to talk in my bathroom and my mom initially thought I was autistic. <laughs> Never mind, that's not... Okay. <laughs> okay, and <laughs> it's very random, but okay. No, okay, never mind. I just want to ask one last question. Assuming that we have mastered all these technicalities, for you personally, what differentiates a good public speaker and an impactful public speaker? Okay, so impactful public speaker and good public speaker. Right. So I mean, like with enough practice, most of us will reach that point, right? Okay, we can take care of our us, of our fillers. We can probably apply a good structure to our story. So I, I understand this as, um, for instance, Toastmasters and TEDx or TED. What I see the difference between the two is TEDx or TED is about sharing ideas and sort of influencing the audience to change their viewpoint towards something, whereas Toastmasters is more about public speaking skills. So. To be a good public speaker, it's just about mastering, for instance, your presentation, how to have good body language, how to have good vocal variety, how to have good content. However, you don't actually care that much about the topic itself. It's just you can go through the motions of being a good speaker. So for instance, I'm still a very introverted, shy, and scared person in a lot of social situations. (laughs) However, I know that if I want to seem confident, all I need to do is to speak louder with a very strong tone and also to have the body language such as moving my hands around while I speak to make sure that I'm not slouching and to have my back straight and my legs apart to talk with confidence, slightly shifting my body from time to time rather than slinking away. And when you have these technical skills, you of course, you can be a good public speaker, you can seem very confident in a social situation or wherever else. However, to be an impactful public speaker or to have impact, it means that you have a vision and you have something that you're aiming towards. You're putting effort and non-stop persistence towards trying to achieve something, which means that it's not about one speech, two speeches, three speeches. You're going towards a goal that you will never give up on. So being an impactful speaker, meaning that you have 100%, 200% faith towards what you're saying, what you believe, and you want to influence and change the people around you. So it's, it's about, I guess, emotions versus skills. If I can summarize that, it all comes down to one question why do you speak up like i think you go to toastmasters you practice a lot 50 100 times a thousand times that will improve on the what and the how but eventually like why do you do it so if that why resonates with the audience then 
kabam, they're gonna be super、mm-hmm. impacted by you, and thereby you becoming an impactful speaker. Okay, so I hope you've been taking notes because we've been talking at great length here, and Kai has mentioned a lot of golden stuff that you need to pay attention to, and I hope that this triggers some inner fire inside you to start learning public speaking. Because again, even though the word itself is public speaking, it actually means that you can represent yourself in such a way that your voices get heard. This is actually the motivation that I have upon learning in the first place. Because I love hearing TED talks, and every time they ended the talk, I would feel like, "Holy crap, this guy is good!" And then there's like some voice inside me saying, "I want to be that guy." So yeah, maybe everyone has their own why, but I hope this has been something that is knowledgeable and fun for you. Who knows? Even if you're good at it, you can yeah be like Kai and teach with a good enough rate. <laughs> All right. So before we close this, I would like to say that I and me and Kai will still be talking about public speaking, but we want to give it a little bit of a twist. We have been a couple of episodes into this season two, but I have not talked about love, even though the title is Love, Life, and Millennials. So I want to know how public speaking can help you in. Dating. <laughs> so, if this is something that you're interested in, be sure to、uh, listen to the next episode, which will come right next week. But yeah, in terms of public speaking per se, do you have any final remark before we close up this first segment of our talk? Practice, 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 and basically, when you become a good speaker, you get so much better at communication, whether it's with boys or with girls. Okay, <laughs> you know, for me personally, if there's one thing I love about this episode is that I will spend way less time to edit this, just because you don't have any arms. That's amazing.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so yeah, be sure to tune in for next week's episode.、Uh, for now, that will be it. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>